What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. This is the Bill Press Show. It is the Bill Press Show. My name is Peter Ogburn here with a special podcast edition of the show. There are issues that we like to talk about. We don't always have the time to do it in the regular show. So we do a special podcast for uh, all of you that are uh, patrons on Patreon and also subscribed to our podcast channel, which you can do on iTunes or any other place that you get your podcasts. Uh, Today, I wanted to dive into uh, the Me Too movement. Uh, those of you that know me know that I work here on the Bill Press Show, but I also write about food. Uh, and here in Washington, D.C., one of the biggest names uh, in the food industry is Mike Isabella. And there is a lawsuit that accuses him of sexual harassment. That story was written by Danielle Paquette of The Washington Post, who joins me. Hi, Danielle. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm well. Thank you so much for coming in. Also, uh, if you know me, you know that I am a horrible lush. And uh, Angie Featherston. <laughs> from the drink company here in Washington, D.C., joins us in studio as well. Angie, good to see you. Good morning. Good morning, ladies. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, So I I just want to jump right into the Mike Isabella story. Uh, For those of you who don't know, who aren't in the Washington, D.C. area or didn't watch Top Chef or aren't aren't following this whole whole thing, um, he owns... How many restaurants here in Washington D.C.? It's it's in the double digits. Eleven in the area. Eleven yeah. in the area. Yeah. So multiple he, partnerships. The yeah. Nationals just dropped him yesterday. I don't know if you saw that. Really? Yeah. I didn't see that. Okay. So he's a big deal here on the Washington D.C. dining scene, and your story uh, uncovered this lawsuit of of sexual harassment in the workplace uh, by a woman who worked with him. Her name was Chloe Karras, um, which I think is is interesting that she went out there and put her name on it because one of the things we're going to dig into is like a lot of women don't like to come forward with these stories. Right, most, um, yeah. And so you point out that Mike Isabella is, has a $30 million culinary empire, which could be crumbling before our very eyes. So let's let's start first of all with his specific story and what the details are. Right, so recently I connected with Miss Karras. She was one of the most senior ranking women at his company. And she she told me uh, she had dealt for three years with name calling. Yeah, you know, he would call her a bitch or a whore. His partners would do the same thing. They would touch her. They'd come up behind her and grab her hair and act like they're having sex with her. She said she sort of wanted to just play along or ignore it, maintain her job. She really loves working in the food industry, the restaurant industry. She rose the ranks here. You know, she wanted to, to keep it going. But one night, she tells me, she was at the uh, Isabella Eatery at, at Tyson's Galleria. Do you guys know where that is? I haven't been, but I'm familiar with it. Yeah, it's it's one of his newest things. It's crazy. It's like 41,000 square feet. It's, yeah. it's Mike Isabella's spin on a food hall, is how it's called. In the and it just opened. Just opened. You know, it, it, I believe late December or January. Yeah. 
Anyway, she's about to launch this restaurant. She's been working six months to do it. She tells me she's sitting in a booth next to Isabella and a male chef approaches and asks if he could sit with them. And before she could even talk, she says that Mike Isabella said, if you sleep with Chloe, you can. You know, and, and that was sort of a last straw for her. She tells me she got up, she walked away. She said Mike had been drinking all day uh, and he followed her. He's calling her a bitch. Like, come talk to me. Like, what? You don't like that. And then she says uh, he fired her. Jesus Christ. OK, Angie, I want to ask you cause some of the behavior that was outlined there. I I've worked in restaurants uh, when I was younger. Um, I've seen some of that behavior. I, I mean, this is not something that is uncommon in the restaurant industry? I think it depends. Um, That's fair. That, that is fair. There are restaurant industries that are run with a lot of integrity where the partners care very much about the employees. But um, in situations like this, and I don't know the particulars of it, you know, there's a breed of, of chefs or, re- or you know, restaurant industry professionals that live these lives of, like, petite rock stars. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. that they're famous within their own communities, and they feel like they have those, like, allowances to be, to behave badly, and even more that people expect that from them. And uh, they have this kind of frat guy culture, and I think that that is a little bit pervasive in the food industry because these restaurants, these small restaurants, are run as these, you know, we're a family, you know, this is a family shop, we're all friends here, when really it's a place of employment, and that should matter, and it should have those rules. Yeah. Uh, this this isn't, one of the things that I've noticed in all of these Me Too stories of women coming forward and saying that they've been either harassed or assaulted or, or degraded or however, one of the things that I've noticed is that a lot of men fall back onto is alcohol. It see, and I'm not saying, and like, I want to be very, very clear, right? Like, getting drunk is not an excuse for your behavior, but there is something that they point to that, like, this behavior comes out when they drink too much. And I will say, um, I've hung out with Mike Isabella probably five times uh, at different events, right? Food events. And I will say, every time that I've hung out with him, he has been stuttering drunk. Every single time and belligerent and loud and aggressive and annoying. And I didn't see any like um, harassment of a sexual nature, but definitely like not in control. And so, Angie, I want to ask you because you you work in these bars and you work around alcohol. And I and I definitely look, I I'm a lover of alcohol. And. I've been drunk many, many times and have never, <laughs> never gone to this area, right? That, that's exactly right. Drinking does not make you a sex criminal. Exactly. <laughs> like in the, you know, releasing yeah. Your, yeah, right, right. your inhibitions or whatever, that's something that's like culturally fabricated. Yeah. It's not that you some like all of a sudden you were a nice guy and now you're not. Yeah. Um, but alcohol, and one of the reasons I got deeply involved with this is that it's utilized in 50% of like sexual crimes as a weapon. Yeah. Right. Either to like incapacitate the victim or what have you. So it is a legitimate problem and we can't, you know, turn our heads and not and pretend not to see it. Um, and but that has most mostly to do with the victim, not the perpetrator. Yeah. And, you know, another thing that you see a lot in the restaurant industry is this kind of like uh, sleeping around culture. Right. Um, but, you know, being like free with that and being, you know, again, a predator is a different thing. 
one is about sex and the other is about power. Yeah. And I think that that's what we've seen in all these, you know, cases all in, in every industry. Yeah. Um, I, I, you mentioned the the Nationals drop their um, uh, work with Mike Isabella. I mean, what have we seen so far in terms of what he stands to lose here? We mentioned it's a $30 million empire. He has restaurants all over the place. He has partnerships with a lot of different people. Um, there are restaurants here that he owns that he doesn't necessarily put his name in front of, right? So, like... Has anybody else signaled that they are willing to walk away from their relationship with Mike Isabella? I've heard from um, an event called Best Buddies Prom. It's a charity event. He was supposed to be the culinary director of it. They've, they've since slashed ties. Uh, but it remains to be seen how this could affect his business. Some people online are calling for a boycott. You know, I, I landed in the Reagan airport the day after the story broke, and I walked right by one of his, I believe it's Capnos, Capnos little restaurants yeah. there. And there's people in there like any other day. So it depends. Uh, and we, we, we're keeping an eye on it. Yeah. So let me ask this to, to both of you. Um, what would, because I think we agree this is rampant, I mean, across the country and across all different jobs. Right. But I think that it, 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 this attitude is prevalent in the restaurant business. I, I, I really do believe that. So what would the restaurant industry have to do to fix this problem? Right, there is a very boys will be boys attitude in the restaurant business, and I and I appreciate that Anthony Bourdain, who is you know a very prominent uh, guy on TV, he talked about how much he contributed to this with some of his books and some of his attitudes towards cooking. So, like, what do we do to fix this? It's it's a really tough tough thing. Um, what we work on with the safe with safe bars, which is something I'm involved I in, the Safe about Bars that. Collective, yeah. is the the piece of it where everyone is watching, right? Everyone, or not everyone, people witnessed Chloe, right? Yeah. Like, be treated in this way. And no one did anything. And I think that in the hospitality industry, it's particularly bad because our jobs are to make people happy, right? Mm -hmm. So to say somebody like, hey, um, like, you're talking to her in a weird way, like, it, it feels unnatural because yeah. we're trained in, in the opposite way. The customer is always right. Right. It's giving people permission to say, like, hey, are you okay? Like, it, you know, do you need do you need me to help, to help you? Like, do you need me to call your cab? Or if with your coworkers, with patrons, like that kind of, like, bystander intervention, that's what is going to make the difference. People knowing and having permission to, like, intercede if they see a behavior that's not okay, which we've all seen. We've all yeah. seen a creepy dude talk to a chick at a bar and done nothing. We've yep. all, all, we've all seen a guy live with a girl that's way drunker than him and done nothing. And like, it's the piece of it that we're all responsible for each other because you're not gonna automatically like, this woman was very brave. And with these women too, it's not even me too, it's like me first, which is very difficult. And um, with her, like there was, yes, there was a breaking point, but this dial usually goes up slowly, right? He probably they probably started making a joke and then she was okay with it and then they became more sexual and then it it from that it like slowly turns up the temperature, not unlike like domestic abuse, right? And then you're at a point where you're you're completely stuck in this horrendous situation and no one is helping you. It takes a village to really take care of each other. I think that's a that's a good point, right? Like 
I, I think it's been a really interesting time for everybody to sort of take stock of their actions before. And God, I'd like to think because I, I, all of us have been there, like you said, like we've seen this happen before, and I've done nothing before. And now I'm thinking to myself, like, I really wish I had done something. And now I think we're at a moment where you kind of have to do something. Yeah, and that's what I heard from a lot of former employees of Mike Isabella. They were saying, I'm only talking to you now because I regret having done nothing. I regret seeing this happen, and I really want you to know. I want you to know what she's telling you is true. You know, I I talked to five people who said this. Wow. All men, actually. Really? Yeah. That's fascinating. But it's it's also, like, when I talk about the restaurant industry, and I'm I'm trying to give the restaurant industry such a bad rap, but, like, like... any man in power has, should have a bad rap at this point, right? Like you should all like you should be taking some stock of what you've done in the past and 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 where you are and how you got there. But you know the restaurant industry it is still a lot of people run it like the old days of the like very overbearing, overpowering chef is in charge. You can demean. I know it's changed a lot. It, it has changed a lot, but there are still restaurants that 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 run that way, right? Of of just loud and brash and aggressive, and it just breeds this sort of. I've definitely been seeing a change in that yeah. um, because you know people who work, especially in kitchens, which is the toughest part of the job, in yeah. my opinion, they make very little money. And to be treated like that and be making very little money, like there was a time where that was the only rite of passage. It's not the case anymore. Yeah. There are people out there that care about teaching you that are very nice. DC in particular is a very cool restaurant scene because 96% of our um, restaurants are independently owned. The national average is like in the 60s. Mm. So we have all these like young, amazing entrepreneurs and we have a shortage of, of talent. So you can literally go anywhere. Yeah. I was just in a panel where a woman asked me about this. She's like, you know, my coworkers like to bro around and tell these jokes and sometimes they make me uncomfortable. What should I do? And I said, get another job. Yeah. You know? By the way, bro <laughs> around is it, like, if, if there's behavior that could be called broing around, get out of it. <laughs> like, that sounds horrible. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Um. Danielle, let me ask you because you've you've done a lot of reporting on on this movement. Uh, you had a story earlier this year about uh, Wayne Pacelli at the Humane Society, and just put it out there: we've had Wayne Pacelli on the show many, many, many times. He we considered him a friend of the show. Um, I think the Humane Society does a lot of good work, but it turns out he is one of these shitty men in power. And uh, where where are we with that now? He, he eventually stepped down after it looked like he might survive. Right. That was kind of a messy saga. Really you know, messy. You had board members speaking to the press saying, we didn't hire him to be a choir boy. We hired him to save the animals. And, oh, that, yeah. that, that's horrifying. A lot of female employees really angry. Uh, but it did turn out that the attention got to the point where he did voluntarily resign. Yeah. Now we have in charge of the Humane Society a woman named Kitty Block, a veteran, who 20 years ago sued her boss at the Humane Society for sexual harassment. Jesus. So she tells me she's working on really trying to fix the culture there. But there's some parallels between the Pacelli case and the Isabella case because you have you have women in these jobs who say, I love it. This is my passion. I didn't come here to, for the money. This is what I want to do with my life. And they feel that accusing their boss is like risking their dream in yeah, a way. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're more willing to put up with this bad behavior for longer and longer. You're scared of tarnishing your reputation. 
And as Angie points out, you know, it is a tight labor market. You can go, you can change jobs, you can, you can leave. But a lot of these people are, are afraid of what happens next. Will that person ruin my reputation? Right. And, and also on that point, like, I do think that if you're in a situation like that, you got to get out of it. But like on the political side, right, it's all about climbing that ladder, Man, male or female, right? Like it's all about climbing that ladder. So if you're with one uh, employer who's who's acting inappropriately and you just leave and you go somewhere else, you kind of have to start over somewhere else. And so think about all these people that were on their way to something great and then had to leave because of somebody else's bad behavior and where they could be now. Well, they're not on the way to something great in an organization like that. Okay, fair, fair. Number one. Fair, fair. Um, but too, like I, I see how these kind of messes snowball because specifically with this, with Mike Isabella, um, there are hundreds and hundreds of employees that have built that empire from scratch, including this woman who, you know, devoted her life to like building this this thing for him. He's not yeah. the guy who's carrying it on his shoulders. Right. And there are people who invested millions and millions and millions of dollars. I particularly know some of them who didn't do anything wrong mm-hmm. besides trust somebody and not know or or maybe know like that those are the, the things that are gray areas like what kind of of person he allegedly was, you know? And it it's it's a very tough ugly situation yeah. and people are going to lose a lot of money, not just him, you know? He's not yes, he might lose an endorsement, but losing those restaurants that is like that is hundreds of people. Yeah. Well, that's I, I wanted to bring up the case of of John Besh, who was I think probably the first chef, celebrity chef, mm-hmm. um, to sort of have allegations leveled against him in New Orleans. He's he has an empire in New Orleans. He has a TV show. He has several restaurants in New Orleans, um, and that to me was the first story where I was like. The whole system is completely broken because there were women who worked for him and said, hey, this has been going on and I wanted to file a complaint, but we didn't even have an HR department. And so some of these women have nowhere to go except for their superior, which in a lot of times is the man that's harassing them. That's restaurants in general, though. Right. But, like, it shouldn't be. Restaurants run... Very tight margins. Fair. Um, and we obviously were a larger group. So, and I'm sure Mike Isabella had resources that, you know, a small mom and pop place doesn't have. But I mean, I'd not, like they to don't thi- have HR. I'd like, like to think so, but I, let me put it this way. I guess if, if you're a woman working in the restaurant industry and uh, like this woman that you, you reported on, she essentially reported directly to Mike Isabella. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if he didn't have an HR department, who does she go to? She told me she first raised concerns about the way she was treating at work to Mike Isabella a couple years ago. And and she tells me that he said, I'll handle it, Chloe. Don't worry. You're like family to me. But then she said it just continued and continued. Uh, she said they didn't have formal HR until 2016. Wow. So that that was a part of the problem as well, she says. Yeah. I mean, so like I, I hear your point, but at the same time, like where where do these women go? Where should they be able to go? Because they don't really have anywhere. In a, in a lot of cases. I mean, we have procedures about sure, it, sure. but um, yes, they don't. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I, it just, it's its like the restaurant industry runs differently than a lot of other And places. in our organization, they do. And we also offer people health insurance, which, you know, is something that people don't do. Right, right, but right. But ultimately, 
it's it's tough. Yeah. But in media, where do you go? Yeah. In politics, where do you go? Well, HR, I, you know, ultimately, you it's not the save all. Like ultimately, they work for the person that that you're accusing. I mean, it's it's a very convoluted. Of problem. No, that's a good point because there have been women who have gone to HR and then HR just helped cover up the problem. So uh, I, I didn't mean to act like it's a, an end all be all of like go to the HR department because like the, that's created just about as many problems as it solved. But um, you mentioned the politics situation. We are in Washington, D.C., we are a political <laughs> show. Uh, we've seen a couple of politicians brought down, uh, have their careers ended by these allegations of sexual assault or sexual harassment. I remember um, towards the end of last year and early this year, when we talked to people about it, we heard from multiple reporters on the show who were just saying, like, there are, there are some packages that we're working on. People who are writing these stories about more politicians are going to be brought down. And I haven't really seen any since that first initial wave. I mean, Al Franken fell hard. Al Franken fell hard. And, you know, with him, a couple other yeah. people. But it's... Those... But I guess after that after that thing, right, everybody kept saying, there are more coming. There are more coming. And there ha- there really haven't been. It's just, in Congress anyway, it's just kind of... Except for, you know, the President of the United States who has three women suing him for sexual <laughs> harassment or sexual assault. There's <laughs> that. That's happening, yeah. <laughs> but, like, where does this go in Congress? Well, you know, I'm just going to sound like every other reporter. We have reporters working on it. Be patient. These stories take forever. And it's it's because we want to be fair and we want to represent everyone in a fair way. And oftentimes a story like, you know, the Mike Isabella story or the Al Franken story, you're interviewing dozens of people over hours of career ending accusations. I mean, if you're saying something like that, you treat them deadly seriously. You got to be you know, you can't just throw those things around. Yeah. Okay, I want to ask a a. Somewhat controversial question because it's something I I wrestle with and go back and forth with. Um, in the case of like Al Franken or Mike Isabella, at what point is there redemption for someone who has these allegations leveled against them? Like, should it be your career is over, you can never work again, and that's it? Or at what point does and look, I don't feel sorry for any of these guys. I want to be very clear about that, right? Like whatever the whatever grief and 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 uh, circumstances and consequences they suffer, they deserved it. But at what point do you allow them back into polite society, and uh, like allow Mike Isabella to cook and own again, uh, own restaurants again, if he does lose these? You know, that's a really interesting question because I've interviewed tons of sexual harassment victims, women who've spoken up. And one common theme is that almost none of them want to see the person they define as their harasser out of business. They want to feel like they've been heard. Yeah. They want some recourse. You know, that they want they want to be vindicated in a way. But oftentimes they're not telling me, I want to take this man down. Right. And and you know, Mike Isabella, there he, you know, it is it's it is against the law to sexually harass because that's a form of discrimination. Mm-hmm. But nobody's taking his restaurants away. This is oftentimes a free market kind of decision. Wow. And, uh, yeah. and it, yeah, it's just so complicated. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> I think it depends on a lot of things. Yeah. One, what happened. Two, whether the person takes ownership or is repentant on the things that have happened, right? And 
this is a tough thing because usually the judge, jury, and executioner is the public, yeah. you know? So these people don't get necessarily trials. John Bash didn't get a, a trial. Right. Um, I believe the accuser is a million percent, but ultimately that's up to us, right? So I don't know. With restaurants, I'm or letting them back into the business, I think when people have shown this kind of predatory behavior, I don't think that that should be a place where they are. I mean, there's just, it's too easy for them to fall back into into it. Yeah. But I'm, I don't know. It's tough. And I do go back and forth on this. I mean, I if you're one of these people that has made a- Be an accountant. Right, find, just find somewhere else. Well, the other thing is investors will say, yeah, this kind of behavior is morally wrong, but like you point out, hundreds of jobs are linked to, to these people. Yeah. And it, it becomes this economic risk to have them in place. But whatever Mike Isabella did or didn't do, he's a risky investment now. Sure. His ability to raise capital is is done, at least for like the foreseeable future. you know. Yeah. And that means that he can't move forward. In these in this like restaurant world, it takes millions of dollars to open restaurants these days. Yeah, and saying you have a thirty million dollar empire does not mean you have thirty million dollars in the bank. Fair, yeah. You know, who knows? Sure. Uh, it's a fascinating conversation, and it's one that's not going to go away. That's for sure. Uh, Danielle Paquette from the Washington Post. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Angie Featherston from Drink Company, Columbia Room, uh, and all the fun pop-up bars, the Game of Thrones bar, the Cherry Blossom bar, <laughs> nice. all of that stuff, the brains behind it. Um, it it's Like I said, it's just not going to go away anytime soon, and so all we can do is just keep talking about it. Uh, thank you both for your time. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. 